It's an honor to, to be in front of you this week. I get to speak about my best friend. It's going to be good. Um, let's pray real quick, because I need it. <laughs> Father, we're so grateful for family, that we get to come together. We get to come together and encourage each other, build each other up, be here for one another. And we get to worship you. So God, we commit this time to you right now. We say, have your way. Speak to us. God, I ask that you would reveal yourself through your word today to each one in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd love to begin this morning. We're all going to begin by reciting the Lord's Prayer together. So this is in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 9 through 13 together. So what we'll do is, I'm just going to start reading, but join in with me, because you don't have to repeat after me. Let's do this together, amen? Amen. We'll start with our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful prayer. One of the lines that really sticks out about that prayer to me, especially in this season for quite some time now, has been verse 10. Where scripture says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? Your kingdom, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. So here, on earth, as it is in heaven. It's like, God, your kingdom of heaven, may your heaven manifest and be present here on earth earth. God, show up and move. May we see facets of heaven here in our day-to-day lives. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? But it's unique, right, church? Because we're in this tension. We're in this tension of, it's referred to so often as the now and not yet. So we're in the now, the current times. And we're saying, God, we want to see your kingdom come here on earth. We want to see your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. We want to see this today, God, but there's this tension because we know that that hasn't come in all of its fullness, right? In Revelation 21, we read about the new heaven and the new earth at end times when Jesus has come back. But we're not there yet. So it's this tension, it's this expectation that we're wanting to see God move right in this way, but we know that he's coming again. It just hasn't happened yet. So it's this odd place to be in because we're waiting and we know that it'll come to fruition in all of its fullness one day. It will happen. All of it will happen, but we're seeing glimpses of it right now. The thing, though, is that we as a people... I would say, especially in Western society, we're, we're just not that great of living intention. 
especially with this. We'd much rather get through something, right? We'd much rather get through it, just get to the end, God. Or let's put something on the shelf and we'll just, we'll put it all on the shelf and your, yeah, your kingdom come, that's great. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm, it's cool to sing about, but let's just, we'll put it on the shelf until Jesus gets back, right? We'll just wait. We'll just wait for it to happen. It's just way easier. It's as if we've taken our foot off of the accelerator like we're driving, right? And we've just kind of taken our foot off of the accelerator and we've said, well, like, we know what's going to happen. So would it really make a difference whether I kind of help with this or not? Can me, just Craig and myself, can I actually make a difference? Can I be a part of ushering the kingdom of heaven here on earth? And then with that, we have this dialogue within ourselves. And a lot for a lot of us, like me, for so long, it just, it wasn't very, it wasn't an extended dialogue. It was quite quick. And it just kind of ended with that. Well, I'll kind of do me and I'll do my life and I'll live my life. And yeah, I love you, Jesus. But that's all going to happen eventually. I might live to see it. Maybe I won't live to see it. It'll happen, though. But God hasn't called us to do that. And if Jesus, right, Jesus is the one who prayed this prayer. He said, I'm going to show you how to pray. If Jesus told us to pray for this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was a man of few words, right? He was very intentional about the words he said. And if he said these words, there had this deep meaning to it. There's a reason why he asked us to pray this. He wants us to be a part of ushering this kingdom in. And for some of you, I know I'm already getting blank stares. I'm probably going over people's heads. Bear with me. Because until that all comes to fulfillment and fruition, and we're not even going to go there today, will save us all. That's a whole long conversation. But God himself has actually brought a portion of heaven and offered it to each one of us today. His name is Holy Spirit. I'm going to read for you from Luke chapter 11. This is out of the Passion Translation. Bear with me, I'm doing double duty here. I have my Bible and my iPad I'm working off of. Verse 11 says, Let me ask you this. Jesus is speaking. Do you know of any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? Of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? How much more would the Heavenly Father, the perfect Heavenly Father, give this gift, the gift of heaven, to those who want it? The author of Hebrews said, um, 
those who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, the heavenly gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Emery did a phenomenal job last week really doing an intro and covering a lot of history on the Holy Spirit. What it looked like in the Old Testament, what it looked in the New Testament, what it could look like for us today. Um, and specifically, like in the Old Testament, we see throughout it that the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God, you might see referred to as when it came, it was come upon someone for a specific time, a specific purpose, um, maybe a specific word or possibly a vision, what have you. Then later in the Old Testament, we see the prophet Joel prophesying. He says, God speaks through him. He says, actually, I'm going to fill, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. So there's a little bit of a change going on there. But what I'd like to do is just spend a quick couple moments as we build this foundation. To give you an idea, I want to give you just a couple examples of what that looked like in the Old Testament so we understand with what we're working with. Is that, does that sound okay? Now, of course, disclaimer, this isn't every example that you'll find in Scripture, okay? Not all of them, just a few. In Numbers 11, Moses gathers 70 elders around him, and the Spirit of God comes in the form of a cloud. And Moses prays over these people, and they are filled with the Spirit of God, and they begin to prophesy. They begin to hear from God clearly and speak God's word to people. They begin to prophesy, but then scripture actually says that after they did it, they never did it again. So it was for that instance, that moment. Actually, a couple verses later, Moses says, I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. See, again, we see this theme that it was for certain people, for a certain time. Very specific, right? In Numbers 24, Balaam prophesies, speaks you know, God's word to people. In Judges 3, Othaniel, he was, uh, the spirit of the Lord came upon this young man, Othaniel, and he became the judge of Israel. The judge mean like kind of the leader of Israel, military leader even, and he ushered Israel into battle. Now right after Othaniel, we see in Judges 6, we see Gideon, the Spirit of the Lord, come on Gideon. Many of us are familiar with Gideon. Judges 11, Jephthah, the Spirit of the Lord comes on Jephthah again, and that's in Judges 11. Judges 14, not once, but twice, Samson, the Spirit of the Lord, comes upon him. 1 Samuel 10.10, 10, Saul is walking, King Saul is walking, and there's a, there's a company of prophets coming through the mountainside, and he's walking by them, and he's, as he walks by, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he begins to prophesy. He begins to speak the words of God that these men don't even know. Shortly after, the Spirit of the Lord comes on Saul again and stirs up like this righteous, almost like his anger and this strength and this motivation inside of him. And then we see in 1 Samuel 16, 13, Samuel anoints this young boy, shepherd boy named David. Anoints him as the king of Israel. This is 20 odd years before David even becomes the king. Scripture tells us that the spirit of the Lord came upon David in that very moment in a powerful manner. 
In 1 Chronicles, Amasai, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Are you ready? I'm about to gear up real quick. And then we have the minor prophets. We have Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. In all of their books that they've written, the beginning starts with, and the Spirit of the Lord came on them, or the word of the Lord through the prophet. The word of the Lord said, God spoke through these people. Then we have the major prophets. We have Isaiah. We have Jeremiah. We have Jeremiah's other book that he wrote, Lamentations. We have Ezekiel. We have Daniel. The Lord came upon them. They dreamed dreams. They had visions from God. And this was to communicate to people. The Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and he moved through them. Something miraculous. These men wouldn't have had these visions of foretelling maybe the future or a word of knowledge, something, you know, a knowledge about someone that only that person knew about, aside from God. And God would speak through the prophet towards these people, and they would feel known. Wow, God knows me. God cares about me. That's uh, just to name a few, of course. But I think you kind of get the picture, right? All throughout the Old Testament. Now the thing is, I want to propose to you all, I really believe that we're, as a people, still living in this Old Testament mindset. Now, what I mean by that is, in the Old Testament, God only spoke to certain people, right? Holy Spirit would descend, and it would be for a time, it would be for a word, it would be for a vision, a moment. They were isolated instances, right? I believe that we're still living in that mindset that, well, God is only for you know, Spirit of God is only for maybe Sam. And maybe only for certain things. Maybe only when Sam really needs him, he's going to speak through him. Or maybe for Morgan, if she's really going through something, then the Spirit of the Lord will come through. Last minute, of course, right? Last minute. Last minute. <laughs> That's the only time. And I think that we've all carried this mindset. And it's, the thing is, is it's not any fault on us. We've, a lot of us, we've been taught this since we've grown up or since we've come to church. We've been kind of taught that, well, the Spirit of God is just reserved for certain people. Or if your life has to look an absolute certain way and you fit in this box with the bow on it, then you get the gift of heaven. We're going to jump to the Gospels now. I want to focus in on Jesus. And this is what changed the face of everything for us, Okay. We're going to first read out of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And this is when Jesus is about to be baptized. Verse 16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. Very cool. Jesus baptized. Spirit of God comes. Heavens open up. God speaks. Well pleased. Next, we're going to jump to Mark. I'm going to bring you through the Gospels. A little stroll through the Gospels this morning. Mark chapter 1. Verse 10 and 11. 
Scripture says in verse 10, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Sound familiar? A lot of you, a lot of you read this, seen this, right? Seen it in movies, seen the dove, right? Flopping down from heaven. I want to get into the dove. I want to get, to get into the dove today, though. Most scripture says, descended like a dove. But yet in every portrait we have, in every movie we have, we took a literal dove. And the Spirit of God is a dove. <laughs> Anyhow, Luke chapter 3. Like I said, we say that for another day. Bless their hearts. Okay, Luke 3, 21, 22. Are you guys with me? Is this, yeah. We're getting somewhere. Yeah can tell, right? It's going to take you a second. Bear with me. Verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I'm sure by now some of you are thinking like you just read that three times, right? <laughs> we're not done yet. We got one more to go. We're reading this account in every single gospel. Turn with me now to John chapter 1. Brace yourselves. I know. Verse 32. Then John, John the Baptist, gave his testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. We just read this for the fourth time. Does anyone see the difference in any of these four? I'm going to go back and read this, verse 32 again. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain. Everybody say remain. Remain. He remained on him. Verse 33, And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Remain. Remain. Twice, John said, the Spirit descended and it remained. This is the first instance in history to this point where the Spirit of God descended upon somebody and remained. Remember, everything up to this point was for an instance, was for a moment, was for a specific, like an action to accomplish something. It was all with a specific purpose, for a vision, a word, whatever it may be, for strength, whatever it was. It was for a moment. And just like we saw when Moses prayed for the elders, the elders prophesied and spoke the word of God, and then, boop, the Spirit of God was gone again. But this is the change. We see the Spirit of God descended and remained on Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. How many of you, when you're eating with friends, just like something profound comes out? <laughs> yeah, all the time, right? Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the what? The gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, ooh, it's going to be a whole lot different than water. He said, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The gift my father promised. The gift of heaven. In John 14, verses 16 through 17, I'm just going to read this for you. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Forever. He will be with you forever. Remain. Forever. Remain. He will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will be with you forever. Jesus said that he, my Father is going to send an advocate. What does this advocate do? He comforts and he counsels. Other words you could put around this is he's the comforter, he's the encourager. And what happened when he came? Amory told us about it last week, that there's a rushing wind came through this place in the upper room and the Spirit of God came upon people. Peter preached the sermon of his life and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that day. But throughout the entire book of Acts, we see miracle upon miracle upon miracle. We see signs and wonders all over the place. And we see that God said, I'm going to give you my spirit and it's going to equip you with power so that, not just to sit back and say, hey, I'm more spiritual than you. So that, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says that the Holy Spirit, he reveals deep things of God that only the heart of God knows. But he reveals these things to us. Do we understand what God has freely given us? And of course, with the Holy Spirit as well, there are spiritual gifts, which you're going to have to come back next Sunday if you want to hear about that. We aren't even going to get into that today. But in Paul's letter to the church in, in Galatia, in chapter 5, he says, when you're walking with the Spirit of God and when you have a life with the Spirit of God, there's going to be this fruit. There's going to be attributes that come up in your life, signs that show that God is living in you. And you're walking in step with him. This is called the fruits of the Spirit. And these are love, joy, peace, forbearance. You wonder what forbearance is? Patience. Patience. There you go. Kindness, goodness. I got you. I got you. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All attributes that are a result of living life with the Holy Spirit. Don't those sound good? Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That sounds great, right? Why wouldn't we want this? But my question is for myself as well, how do we get to this place? How do we get to this place where we have downplayed the Holy Spirit into an it? 
into a feeling. We've downplayed him into strictly discernment. We've also kind of attached to him. Uh, well, he only kind of works through or speaks through. He's reserved for the spiritual elite. I even had a conversation with a family member somewhat recently, and they said, well, that's awesome, but like, you're a pastor, so that's why God speaks to you in these ways. And I'm like, you're a son or a daughter, just like I am. What I do for a living might look a little different, but we are all called to do this. And God has a place for all of us in his body. Not just that, you have the same Holy Spirit that I do. Mine's not greater than yours. I don't have a greater measure just because of a title. That's a lie. But we've seen it time and time again, and we've saw it throughout history. We saw it modeled through priests, and we saw it through patriarchs. We've seen it in the modern church where people are saying, no, 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 no. He is a prophet. He's, all, he's the only one that gets to hear from God. God is saying in his scripture, I'm going to speak to all of you. I want to speak to all of you, and I do speak to all of you. But we've really just kind of brought him down to this level like he's our Google Maps. And I just go to him, oh God, you're there. If I really, really need a direction, right? Which store to take, which job to take, which thing to do. That's about it, right? Because God should fit in our God box. We need to be able to understand and comprehend all things of God, right? Because we have scripture. So if I don't understand this portion of God, then like, it's not going to be from God. And I got to say this as well. A lot of people have also abused this and done things in the name of God, masquerading to be God, and it's an emotional thing or something else. And it has damaged so many of us, including myself. It's impacted us. And what it does is it makes us a bit more cautious, I would say, when approaching the Spirit of God. Right? But we really get to know him through relationship. Yeah. I gotta tell you, in preparation for this weekend, I started to bust out all the big theological books. I'm like, let's do this. I love geeking out with this stuff. And then God spoke to me. He said, I want you to speak out of... You're my son. Speak out of our relationship. That's what people need to hear. They don't need any more theology. They need to understand that we have a relationship and we do life together. So I want you to speak out of that. Like, yeah, but God, it needs to sound theologically heavy, right? Profound. And he's like, the things I give you and the things I want to give you, you won't even find in those pages. But that's available for all of us through him. I gotta tell you a story. Um, my very first car growing up was a 1968 Volkswagen Squareback. Sounds way cooler than it actually is. <laughs> yes. It was a station wagon. And of course I lowered it to where it was like two inches off the ground and I thought it was the coolest car on earth. It was a four-speed manual transmission and the thing was, is that I didn't really know how to drive a manual when I first bought it. I was kind of learning. But I figured, I want a car, all my friends have cars, I need to get a car. So I bought this car. 
driving around, showing off to my brother, have my brother in the car with me, my older brother, Chris, and he's like, well, let's go to this other city. Let's go to San Rosa. Let's go further, further north. And we get on 101. I'm sweet. Like, I'm cruising highway speeds. I was good to go. And then all of a sudden, dead stop traffic. And I'm in traffic, and I start freaking out because I can't do this. I'm not good with the clutch, and the clutch was horrible in this thing. And so once I finally got it going, and my brother's like, just pull, pull it off the road. Pull it, get, get it off the highway. Just get, you're going to get an accident. Oh, my gosh. And I'm, because he's freaking out, I'm starting to get all over the place. I'm like, I I'm just going to leave the car. I'll just get out, and I'll, I'll walk away. I'll like leave it on one-on-one. Because nobody will see that, right? At all. So I get the car going again, and I just have it in first gear. And this little motor in this thing is like, Wah. and my brother keeps saying, shift, shift, what are you doing, shift? And I'm like, no, no, I can't, I don't know how to, I'm going to screw it up. How many of you know how to drive manual transmission, or you've tried driving before? Okay, so we could all empathize together. We'll have like a support. We'll have a prayer group after, after church today. Yeah, so easy. But picture this. A lot like I was doing there. What if you have this car and you drive manual and um, you only leave it in first gear? Yeah, the engine will kind of wind up and make some noise, but the reality is it's still a car you're still going to be able to get from point A to point B. Granted, it might take a lot longer. You might get some interesting gestures for people as they drive by you, passing you on the freeway. But you could leave it in this gear. You could still accomplish things. You could still be fruitful. You kind of get something out of paying money for the car, right? Because you don't have to walk. You don't have to take public transport. But it just takes longer. Or it's just, that is life as you know it. That was like me, I was happy with first gear. But then all of a sudden you realize there's this whole new world. You have second, third, stop it. More? You have fourth, and even now you have like six gears, up to six. Oh my goodness, right? There was so much more. And when you start to use those other gears, you start to see, oh, well, maybe this is what this thing was made a little more for. Maybe you start to get places faster. Maybe you start to do things a little differently in life. Still productive, but a different level, different perspective. That was my journey with Holy Spirit. I knew of him. I disclaimer too, I was the biggest skeptic on earth. I was on the it camp, because it just weirded me out. So for me, I was more comfortable with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. <laughs> Not so much the Holy Spirit. Because it's just weird. I'm like, I don't know if it's the Holy Ghost or it's the Holy Spirit. Like I hear these different terms and like this just sounds weird to me. And I don't see nothing else about ghosts in the Bible, so like I'm just gonna stay away from this. <laughs> just me though, I guess, right? <laughs> but see, I had, I had never personally seen nor had I heard or experienced or no one in my world, direct world, had experienced anything with him. Aside from like, of course, I did tell you I 
went to a church growing up, and I remember uh, being in this church and seeing some quite interesting things, um, and people carrying themselves in interesting manners and freaking me out, really weirding me out, and making me feel so uncomfortable. And them not even having sensitivity to realize that I was on a journey and they just, they did their thing. And so it probably did more damage to me than anything. But like I said, my life went along fine. Me and Jesus were sweet. We were good to go. Living my life for God. Until I went to Bible college and then I started feeling really uncomfortable. I had to take this class called Spirit-Filled Living. I'm like, Why? The first class when I get there. I'm like, what are you telling me? I'm not a Christian? Because I don't experience this stuff? I will leave this place. Like, I flew to Australia and I moved here, but I will leave in a hurry. Because I'm a Christian. And I realized, like, they were never saying anything about that. It was just me getting super defensive. Really defensive. But I hadn't experienced anything, but I felt like God brought me on this journey of opening my heart. Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So if I guess I take that into consideration and I think back to Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16 where he says, all scripture is God-breathed. God speaking through these pages. Um, of course, another favorite of mine, Isaiah 55, 11, when God says through the prophet, he says, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God is saying, my word is good. Try it. So the thing is, is that I read this all throughout scripture. I take Acts into consideration. I take all these other people into consideration and like, what, did this end at some place, God? Do you still speak to people? What does this look like? This can't be for me because I don't hear like this. And that was my thing. I'd tell people like, oh, I believe it, but I just die. I don't hear. I don't have divisions, all that, that stuff. That's weird. I don't. I'm good. Until I started to realize that this is actually, this promise, this gift, this person is for me. And is for now. I could live with him. You know, just pray that we'd have this passion to not only discern the voice of God, but we'd have a passion to respond and partner with him. Because I know in the church we are just so loud, so, so many of us are so desperate to hear the voice of God and discern his voice, which is so important. But like when God speaks, maybe we need that same passion to get up out of our seat or our prayer closet or whatever you want to call it and move and allow him to move through us to reach those around us. And if we've received the Holy Spirit, if we've received these gifts, then we should, in essence, be administering these gifts, right? And we should be working with God himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is one. He is three individual expressions of people, but in one God. He is God. Holy Spirit is God. He's not some weird mystic entity. Holy Spirit is God himself. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Holy Spirit was there with Jesus. He was there with God the Father. He has always been because he is God. 
Paul in Galatians 5.25 says that since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is for us, family. Whether you were like, maybe you feel like I did, and you're like, I just don't hear like that, God. We're all on a journey. Even for where I'm at, I feel like I have so much further to go. I'm always asking God, speak to me in new ways. I want to hear, I want to hear your voice. I'm like, I want to, I want the heavens opening up. Like that's the kind of like I want God speaking out of speakers like that behind me. I want to hear his voice that clearly. I want to get to know him deeper. I want to do every step of my life with him. And if see if we're living from this place of being in God's presence in an encounter with God, we're going to be able to effortlessly run in freedom and step in sync with the Holy Spirit. As a result, we're going to experience more of these moments, literally heaven touching earth, whether it's us when we're reading our Bible or journaling or praying or just talking to God or dreaming, whatever it may be. But these moments of heaven touching earth through us are going to become more consistent. They're going to become more frequent. It will happen. It's God's word. He's good on it. And what happens is, as he's become more consistent and more frequent, what's on the other side of these encounters is other people's eternities completely changing. Them experiencing love, hope, faith, experiencing healing, experiencing a God who actually loves them and doesn't just condemn them. I'm going to read for you, if I could, from Ephesians 1, out of the Passion Translation again. This is um, verses 13 to 14. It says, And because of him, when you are, you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride, as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. For complete freedom. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You have been given the Spirit of God just like a bride's been given an engagement ring for a promise of what's to come and a promise of who's in you, who loves you. You've been sealed with this. Again, Paul in Galatians says, he tells the church in Galatia, he says, hey, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he says, you were called to be free. It is for freedom, church, that you have been set free by Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people? On the other side of that is that free people, free people. I want to invite our worship team on up. You know, Anne-Marie, in my heart, our desire for all of you and for the city is to see a thriving community that's in San Francisco and beyond. That's marked and identified by the presence of God and by the Holy Spirit. 
2 Corinthians 3.17, we see Paul says that the, uh, now the Lord is the Spirit. And we sang this earlier. It says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. In the Old Testament, God chose to descend on people and places for a moment. God chose to fill, his presence was filled in what would have been the church, the tabernacle. He filled these tents. He filled these places. But in this day, because of Jesus, God no longer wants to fill a building. He wants to fill a, fill a person. He wants to fill you. And he has. And so Christ has set you free. It's for freedom that you all have been set free. Well, set free for what, Craig? Set free to live the life that God has called you to live, that he's actually created you to live. Set free from discouragement, from all the inadequacies, from all of the negative voices that maybe have spoken over your life over the years. Maybe society, what society tells you you should be and what you need to be. There is freedom from that. There is freedom for you in Christ because guess what? You actually get to live a life and take a walk step by step with the living God. You don't have to do life alone. You have freedom from that. You have freedom to have the God that created the heavens and the earth and that inhabits all of this place to speak directly to you and to do life with you and to empower you. You have freedom to walk and to be an example to other people, to go in places where people are struggling and need just some glimmer of hope or encouragement. And you have freedom to come in that place and bring that with you. In 2 Kings 4.9, there's a story of The Shunammite woman. I want to put the verse up on the screen if we could, CC. Simply says, this woman says to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Seems abstract, right? It's not. It's freedom. This is my prayer for each one of you. That people in your world either directly or indirectly related to you, who come in contact with you, will say, I know that this man, this woman who often comes my way is a man or a woman of God. I know that Teresa, oh my gosh, I've been going through it. I know Teresa, I know she has this relationship with God and I might not believe in him and stuff, but like, I'm gonna have her pray for me. Have you ever had someone just reach out to you and say, could you pray for me? This is what we're talking about. My prayer for you is that you will be like that prophet that that Shunammite woman said, I know that there's this man of God that comes by. And when he comes by, you could just tell, you get, you get this sense. He carries this presence with him. Church, this is for you to do, not just for your pastor, not just for your worship pastors, not for the worship team or the prayer team or anyone. This is for every single one of us. He is for every single one of us to live an empowered life. To live a life just overflowing with purpose and influence. Can you stand?
Let's stand together. Growing up, the only aspect I knew of Holy Spirit or was aware of is that he would tell me when I was wrong. Go figure, that's why I never really wanted a relationship with him. Do you realize that he doesn't just do that? He doesn't even do that. He's there actually cheering you on. He's in the exact opposite. He's for you and he's saying, you got this. Romy, you're doing such an amazing job. I'm so proud of you. You're an amazing dad. You're an amazing husband. You're an amazing coworker. Keep doing this. I'm with you. You're going to make such a difference in someone's world. You might not understand right now, but you never know. On this side of eternity, you may never know, church, what difference you're making in people's worlds until you come face to face with them on the other side in heaven. And they say, you might not know me, but you spoke this word of encouragement to me when I needed it most. You hear of people out there like on the edge of all things and almost wanting to take their own lives and someone randomly Randomly, Christian comes into their world and calls them or tells them, you know, I just felt like I want to spend time with you and encourage you. God loves you. And then that person later says, you don't understand. I was about to take my own life. I actually just heard a story last week about that. And the guy, it was random. He's like, felt that he's trying to hear the voice of God, trying to practice hearing the voice of God. So he goes to his neighbor. He's like, God, this is so weird. We only say hi to each other in the parking lot. So weird. He's going to think, why the heck am I knocking on his door? He goes to knock on his door and he's like, look, I just wanted to, I know we always see each other in passing. I just wanted to say, I'm here. If there's anything I could ever pray for you, I'm a, I believe in God and I believe that he hears me and I talk to him, I pray to him. I'd love to pray for you. And the guy breaks down and the guy tells him, actually, I have a rifle on the side of my computer desk. I was literally about to take my own life. And you show up randomly. I hear this knocking at the door. Who is on the other side of us stepping out and trusting that we are filled with the Spirit of God? Church, you carry freedom. May we step in freedom. May we worship with freedom. May we pray with freedom today.